Hello and welcome to Open All Hours, the QPR podcast. I'm David Fraser. I hope a happy podcast is about to follow. Um, slightly strange this week. There's only two regulars here. Uh, we've got no Finney, no Chris Charles, but we do have Flo Lloyd Hughes. Hello. Hello. Uh, BBC's Flo Lloyd Hughes. Not Correct. permanently. Not permanently. But, Were you um, doing a game at the weekend? I wasn't doing a game. I actually had a rare weekend off. No women's football, no men's football um, for me. It was my birthday this weekend. Uh, Happy birthday. Thank you. So I had the weekend off, which is nice. Um, But yeah, BBC is one of the four or five things I do. So, all yeah. right, all right. Just uh, some fine. of which is not, not paid. BBC's Flo Lloyd Hughes. <laughs> um, and Adam Rubens. Hello. Who is it? You've been on a handful of times. Yeah, this is my third time. Hat trick ball. Congratulations. Thank you. Welcome back. And you sit, remind I, us where I you sit. I sit South Africa Road um, in the C block. Very good. Yep. And I remember the last time. I mean, okay, so actually, I should say this before we get on to anything else. Preparing for the podcast today, I felt very strange because after the first international break, we are usually then talking about, it's not going that well, is it? Maybe this manager should go. And I remember you coming on at a very similar juncture a couple of years ago. I think maybe in the red nap brain, have I got that right? Yeah, sounds about right. But we're not feeling like that today but we'll we'll come on to how we are feeling let me get through the housekeeping first so tonight's episode is sponsored by jay enriel or jay enrile apologies for the pronunciation he's from the philippines he's got a little story here which i'll read out Uh, i've been following english football for some years now but i haven't really supported any club i just can't make up my mind uh, but this year i decided to choose a club to support because it's no fun with no dog in the fight. Uh, uh, so I went to London with my wife and eldest son. We did the touristy things and I ended up catching a couple of matches. QPR weren't playing at the time, but I'd still decided to visit the stadium because I've always been fond of the club for some reason. After that trip, it was easier for me to have chosen to support a bigger London club, but seeing Loftus Road made me want to support QPR. I don't know why. I can't explain it. Join the club, Jay. Uh, but I'm f- a fully-fledged supporter now. And yes, I'm from Manila. Thank you, Jay. Fun for your support. bit of um, tourist spot for him next time he comes over. In Earl's Court, where my aunt and uncle live, they've just opened, or well, I think last year actually they opened it, a Filipino fast food chain, which is called Jollibee's. Uh, it's really, really popular. Queues out the door every day. And they serve some, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's traditional food. I think it's just like fast food that they've created in the Philippines. But it's kind of random stuff like, pasta chopped up with hot dogs and what, stuff. I don't know what food from Manila is. I don't do know, oh. but anyway, it's Filipino fast food. It's really famous and it's really popular, so next time Very good. Well, to go to. Thank you, Jay, and welcome aboard this crazy journey of supporting QPR. I should also say the beers are from Martin Beatty. Thank you, Martin, for the beers. Um, anybody who wants to support us either through sponsoring a podcast or buying the beers for us. It is all gratefully received. The podcast is free, will always be free to listen to and download, but we do have running costs. So if anybody would like to support us, you can go to the website, go to qprpod.co.uk. I think it's click on support the show 
and we will be eternally grateful. The only other thing I always mention at this point is follow us on Twitter at QPR Pod. Interact with us. Help us build the show. Right. Enough of all that stuff. We've got an interview coming up in a little bit with a player who has played for both QPR and Reading. But before that, what's going on here? (laughs) Uh, What's going on? Where are we? We have... We're on... We're fifth. We're never usually here. We are, I'm told, on par for 84 points, which would be a top three finish. Um, And when we lose a couple of games, we don't fall off a cliff. We just kind of repair the damage and get back to winning ways. And we're playing this amazing football and we've got young players. What's happening? What's happening? I don't really know. (laughs) It's just, it's just, I think that winning mentality, it's kind of taken over the team and Warburton seems to turn any you know sometimes a negative into a positive somehow and and like you said this style of play it does reap its rewards so when it's it's easier to come back from a defeat because you know that the next game you're going to get some goals Mm. goals are guaranteed it's just can you then outscore the opposition and when it pays off obviously it builds confidence and you know life just gets easier when when you're, all your players are playing that well and last time we were here we I was asking Finney Peter Blexley um and Clive you know what would be the next um uh well my words escape me I'm really tired um sort of thing for Warburton to knock off his list. So he's beat Millwall at the Den. We beat Blackburn Rovers and the whole game was going to be the first time since 1991 and he did it. So it seems like... 1971, I think it was. I thought it was 91. Was it 71? It was 70 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God, I've well, misread that. Years. But anyway, uh, a I long thought it was, I thought it was just 91. Time, wow, yeah, so there you go. So, so what is the next thing for him? I don't know. Well, maybe a... Pff, Get further in the FA Cup. Get further in the FA Cup. How about get us promoted, get us in the playoffs mm. via a pleasurable experience? Because it was very weird four years ago with under Redknapp, wasn't it? Because like we kind of did deserve it, but at the same time, we, well, we cheated our way to it, didn't we? We, bro- we literally cheated and broke the rules. So it was all a bit, I don't know, unsatisfactory. I, th- I think the next thing is consistency across the whole season. You know, I'm... I'm trying very hard to keep myself in check and remember that this time last year, McLaren was performing as manager of the club. Uh, The team were performing um, and we were delivering on a relatively consistent basis some good performances, but then it all tailed off after Christmas. I don't think that's going to happen again. However, I do want to try not to get too carried away because we have seen that happen in the past. I think we can't do a disservice to Warburton here. I think he's done absolutely brilliantly in terms of bringing in new personnel, shipping out old personnel and getting the best out of our young players. And we sort of look at the difference between last season and now. It is in part formation. It's in part the fact that we're keeping possession of the ball, playing attacking football. But he's got as a chair Bright, he's really bringing the best out of those players, and I think Eze could now be uh, a player that could progress to the Premier League. There's all these. There's you mean Eze, the QPR player, not the Reading player, which I think uh, a bookmaker said. Do you see that today? 
a bookmaker put a tweet out saying amazing run by Reading's Abireyeze oh, today. Um, there's a lot of discussion now on A, will we hold on to him? B, actually, there's not about, there's not a lot of discussion about if we'll hold on to him. I think accepted wisdom is we probably won't, but until when will we hold on to him? So that's the first question I'm going to put to you. And then I've started to see, will he be better than Tarapt? Will he be more effective than Tarapt? I think he's got a better work ethic than Tarapt. Mm. Um, also, I guess he's he's coming under this spotlight a bit earlier than Tarapt did as well, because Tarapt came to English football. Well, he was in the English football because he was in the Spurs setup, wasn't he? But in terms of like reaching the a bigger height of English football slightly later in terms of age, whereas Eze's coming into it at a younger time with the spotlight on him. Um, and But I think he seems like he's got a better work ethic than Tarat had, unfortunately. And he Tarat was this kind of troubled genius vibe to him. Um, and Warnock used that really well and gave him responsibility and made him captain of, of the team at one point, which was a strange decision, but it actually kind of worked. Um, whereas Eze looks like he's in him, he's got that drive. He's a very dedicated person. He's quite, seems very humble and grounded, got good people and good family around him, religious, you know, he's not, doesn't seem like he's going to get distracted and heading down to shisha bars on the Edgware Road or whatever, you know? Interesting piece, although we're kind of going off on a tangent about Adele to rap. There's a great interview with him this month in 442 magazine. He played amazing during the international break. Yes. Like the highlights yes. of him playing against Aubameyang is like unreal. Well, he's back. But, uh, so, so in this interview in 442, it was actually the last month's one, so I don't think you can still get it, but he says uh, being made captain by, War, uh, by Warnock was one of the worst things that could have happened to him because it was great for him personally, but, it, but he basically was indulged too young, too early, mm. and then every subsequent manager after that, he couldn't work out why they weren't giving him so much leeway like Walnut was. He also said his best form as a football player was at AC Milan, not at QPR, which yes. I was surprised about. Yes, um, but I don't know, I'm one of these Adele critics, unfortunately, because even though he gave us probably the best season I've ever seen a footballer give us, he didn't do it consistently uh, year in, year out, and obviously his career has faded somewhat. I think with Eze, the key is going to be, again, around consistency. Can he do it week in, week out? He's definitely starting to show a bit more consistent form. Um, and I think if he does that up until January, we'll have to... I think we'll have to be in a position where we can get promoted in order to keep him. I can't see how he will go in January. Who's going to buy him? He's not really a sort of January buy, is he? I don't think he'll go in January. I think he'll go in the summer at the earliest and... It'll be interesting personally for him what he does because obviously we would take, you know, a nice bit of money for him, definitely. But for him personally, is it about whether he wants to go to a Premier League club and be around those sorts of players but probably not play that frequently? I mean, like Luke Freeman's not necessarily starting because um, I put him in my fantasy league and he's not got me mm. many, very many points. So it's a hard decision to make or does he want to go to kind of a low league Premier League team where he might start, but, you know, they might get relegated or a top championship team. It's a re Or go abroad, which maybe, you know, like Jaden Sancho or something like that could be a good move. It is a hard career decision to make because at least if he does stay at QPR for maybe another season, at least he'll get to play regular football and he can grow and 
kind of develop as the star Mm. but he does need to probably be around better players too but it's a good question how many players have left qpr and gone up to the premier league and actually um developed and grown as a player there aren't that many there aren't many case studies that someone like Eze can look at to think you know i i could do that as a qpr player but that's more of a reflection on qpr and the sort of players we've been churning out and been selling in recent years isn't it because there is but there's also no one for him to look up to about players who've developed through the youth and reserve systems mm. there's not that many ahead of him um but no i i get i get what you're saying though you're talking about the likes of freeman players who or Smithies, players who have then gone into the Premier League and not exactly set the world alight. There and is- Austin was the same, but that's more probably down to his, you know, his injuries problems than anything. He had he showed flashes of it at Southampton, but never really got on mm. there. And now he's ended up back where he started in the Championship. Matt Phillips has done really well at West Brom and had a little bit of time in the Premier League, but obviously, what he's happened a there? Sort of player though, isn't he? But, oh yeah, very. But, but that's it. Like you have to look at the Premier League and think what type of club would Eze fit in with? I mean, if you were to compare him, I guess Madison is the easiest comparison. He went for about 20 million. Or then you've got the likes of, you know, Ozil, Hazard. You know, those are the number 10s in mm-hmm. the in the Premier League. And I, you know, I think it's a bit too early to say whether Eze will be of that standard. But all that said, I'd rather have Eze in our team right now than Ozil, who was bought for 40 yeah. odd million yeah. and is on 350 grand a week. Um, any thoughts on Hull in particular? Because we haven't even really talked about the game. Um, if I am searching around for kind of things that are maybe not going so well, <laughs> bit of a struggle. Uh, but we have let in, although we're doing far, far better than this time last year, I believe we've got eight or nine more points have we got we've got eight more points we've scored 12 more goals but we have let in two more goals than we had this time last year so which means only one thing really the only conclusion you can draw is missing Joel Lynch (laughs) (laughs) that first the first goal we conceded was a bit of a Joel Lynch special that was something that he would do as well it's that kind of complete confusion you know I think it was Leisner and Barbe that try and go up to head it and the ball just flies over and then goes directly into their path I mean that is a that is a classic QPR goal to concede and that's the only worrying thing it doesn't and obviously the the fullbacks have moved on greatly um literally because they're different but actually in terms of strategy and tactics it's completely different but there's still a bit of a weakness in the centre. I I think Tony Leisner is a great player, and he you know at, lot, at points last season he really rescued us in terms of putting his body on the line. I'm thinking um, the Leeds game, the Villa game, um, where he really kind of you know mm. kept us in it, um, and he's always sort of there to kind of clear things up sometimes. But we're still kind of really. Um, liable when it comes to just easy balls over the top or a ball through the middle because we've got really slow centre-backs who, in a chase, are going to lose out every time. So that's, in terms, we haven't necessarily progressed at that core bit of the team, which hasn't really changed that much. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to be super critical, that's the area to look at. Yeah, let's do it. It's a podcast. (laughs) uh, I mean, the last time we didn't concede at home was Swansea in April last season. And the last time we didn't concede away was Forest last December. So almost a year ago wow. now. So it's been a long time. And by the way, in both of those games, Furlong was our centre-back. 
Mm. So it goes to show you we've probably lost our best centre-back and we haven't replaced him. So I think come our, our season's going to be defined by the January window, um, both what we do and what other clubs do as well. Um, and I think if we need anything, we need a you know, a quick ball playing central defender who's also quite powerful. Join the queue. Wow, that is, I mean, I think Arsenal are looking for a player like that and they haven't found them. Well, we've got that. We just, it's just maybe, it's championship standard, not top of championship standard. Leisner is a, all of a sudden, a ball playing centre-back, he's isn't got, he? No, no, he's got lucky with a couple of decent long uh. balls. He's not a ball playing centre-back. But I also think we're kind of, with the defence, we're really tied by injuries as well. It's not only, you know, what's going to happen in the transfer window, but... I was confused on Saturday because the club's Twitter account, I'm sure it said, fully fit squad, but Grant Hall was nowhere to be seen. So therefore, it's not a fully fit squad or or he's just now gone from being captain to not being selected. Yeah, I no, I, I'm, I think it's an injury. Yeah. But I think they... Yeah. They're I didn't fully see fit that, from everyone except yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I think they must mean, as in fully fit squad of who's here. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, is a yeah, bit yeah. Of a fully one, fit but... of all the fit players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that we are still a bit thin on the ground when it comes to first choice defenders. Uh, penalties for you, the SA penalties. Yeah. What in terms of was it were legit they? his yeah. stop and shoot no, 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 or were no, they the legit? Fouls, the fouls. Oh yeah, I think they were definitely fouls. Obviously, it's hard on because I mean the guys who were at the game would be best place to see it because it was that end. But obviously from the camera angle that they had at the stadium, you're seeing it from behind the whole player. So mm. as they goes down, so you can't think, you can't yeah, really you can't see, see um, but you're kind of seeing it from the ref's angle. But there was a little bit of controversy about whether um, Eze was still in full motion when he kicked the penalty because he's technically not so, supposed mm. to stop. But then there was a bit of back and forth on Twitter with some people saying, yeah, well, look, there's about four whole players in the box when he kicks it or look, the whole goalie's off the line anyway, so everyone's in the wrong. It's hard if you kind of go super, super, super slow-mo as a sort of carrying through the motion, but you do rarely see penalties like that anymore because I was under the impression that any sort of stop and hesitation was ruled um, I, I, illegal. I, I didn't like it how he took those penalties, but I almost think this is like a feature of this team now. Everything they do, especially the defence, whenever the goalies have got the ball at their feet, whenever the defenders have got the ball at their feet, you're, you, you have an intake of breath followed by, like, exhilaration you know every time every time that defense get the ball it's like when Finney starts talking like what's going to happen here <laughs> what's going to happen here uh, and it's great and I felt like that with his penalty as well I, I, I'm with you I personally I, I and I might get crucified for this but I, I would prefer Manning to be our regular penalty taker if, if you watch the way he took penalties at, at Rotherham he, he just leathered them yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean the, the one he took earlier this season when we played City, Bristol City in the League Cup was just um, like smashed yeah. it. Keeper gets nowhere near yeah. it. Whereas I think Eze, you know, if you if you check like that against a decent keeper, you might get undone and, and made to look a bit foolish. So I'd probably rather Manning took the penalties. He would have had a hat trick on Saturday, which may have made Mr. McCarthy sit up and notice him a bit more. Mm. Um, but you know, I mean, fair play to Eze. He won both the penalties. None of, none of the whole defence complained about either of them, and he took them sublimely. He will miss a penalty if he carries on taking them like that, surely. Yeah, probably. I mean, you know... The keepers get wise to it. Paul Pogba is being an example of someone who likes to do that and he's got not the best um, penalty record of recently. So it's a risky strategy. 
Um, just before we go to the interview, the only other thing I was going to say, Kelly, he's had a couple of games now. Apparently he's only had one save to make. He's faced eight shots and let in seven goals and made one save, apparently. Um, right decision for you? It's, I think it's maybe three games, isn't it, that he's had as the keeper? It had to be done, I think. I'd, I'd, I don't know. I mean, he's the smallest keeper I think I've he's I've ever seen, so he's probably not got near the, the seven. <laughs> Do you think he's smaller than Paddy Kenny? I, well, he looks it to me, uh, although Paddy Kenny was also small. Uh, yeah, but um, I think the issue is that if Lumley had Kelly's feet, Lumley would be a Premier League keeper in waiting or even yeah. an international keeper in waiting. Um, and that's the issue I think Warburton has. He's gone with the feet, hasn't He's he? He's gone with the feet over the uh, shot stopping and the and the height. Um, but I don't know. I I would I would prefer Lumley in. I think on balance, if he could just panic a little less when the ball comes to feet. But it's hard when you're asking someone to do something that doesn't come natural to them. And he seems this is Warburton's style of play and how he's going to play it, isn't he? Uh, okay, right. We will. We're going to go to an interview now. After the interview, Flo's going to let us know who's taller, Paddy Kenny or or um, Liam Kelly. Um, Liam, his name is Liam. Yeah, yeah. I had a sorry. I had a temperamental <laughs> had a moment. moment there. Um, but right now, we are going to talk to a player who has. We're playing Reading tomorrow, and the guy we're speaking to now has played for both. He's actually played more times for us than Reading, which I was surprised about. It's former midfielder Michele Ledgerwood. Michele, thank you for joining us. First question, how do we pronounce your name? Mikel Ledgerwood. Mikel Ledgerwood. Okay, so I got that wrong. So apologies. Uh, but I did, right. I did get your surname right, which I th- yeah. has always been source of about three or four different variations. Yeah, it's a bit of a mouthful, but... You get, we'll get there in the end. Uh, my second question is, there's a very important game tomorrow night. Who is your favourite team that plays in blue and white hoops? <laughs> um, you put me on the spot there. I'm going to say I've, I've got a stronger affiliation with my last club, so I'm going to go with Reading. Ah, oh, This hasn't gone I very know. well so far. I know, it's not no. a great start, is it? Do, do, do you know what? It's always good when someone is honest. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, so, well, talking of that, I think you played for both clubs for um, three or four years each. And if I'm right in saying, I know you didn't play too many games in our championship winning year, but if I'm right in saying you got two promotions in a row, one with us and one with Reading, is that right? That is correct, yeah. Um, and managed to get, get one for QPR, although I didn't feature as much. Um, you know, I spent most of that season out on loan at Reading. So we got to the playoff final that year, actually. Um, so I could have actually had two promotions in one season, but uh, it didn't quite happen. So you were so so you were just the you played for us in the tail end of the Warnock era, and we were just talking about Adele Tarapt and and and, and uh, around that era. Is that right? Did you? What are your memories of that time and and those last couple of years at Rangers when we were moving towards the Premier League? Um, well, prior to Warnock coming in, obviously, as you know, it was uh, a, quite a shaky and rocky period. Um, changes happening every couple of months. So actually when Warnock came in and there was a bit more stability higher up, 
um, you could re- really sense that something good was going to happen. Um, and I actually worked with Warnock previously, so I knew what he was about. And uh, didn't unfortunately didn't quite work out with myself there, but um, it was a it was a good time. You know, it was we had some good players and we didn't quite tick for what for one reason or another. So it was good that Warnock came in and sort of steadied the ship and got got QPR back to the promised land, so to speak. So you were there, if we have this right, Adam, who's here on the podcast, made this point before when we were off air. Your whole time at QPR spanned across the Briatori era. Have we got that right? That is correct. Yes, I think I was Briatori's first signing. (laughs) So so you were there for the absolutely bonkers times. Uh, Yes. what, What was the most bonkers of all the bonkers stuff? Um... It was just the, the change of managers all the, all the time, unfortunately. Um, I guess it, it's common knowledge that um, Briatori liked to get involved in team affairs on the pitch, which was difficult, obviously, as, as a manager and certainly as players, you know it. So it was just managing that and managing expectations. It, it was tough. Um, and that's probably why we didn't probably click as much as we probably should have at the time. Um, I don't know how much you watch us nowadays. I don't know how much you... you, you uh, I think you're a little bit more involved with Reading. How do you see... Uh, what do you think about tomorrow night and how can you see the game going? Um, well, your form's good. Um, your form's good at the moment. I think it's what you've won four out of the last six. So I guess QPR are going to be, after, especially after Saturday, quite, um, should we say, in, in a good position. Um, certainly confident. We've obviously just come off of the back of a win. I say we because I, I do work for Reading at the moment. I'm, I'm currently coaching their 18, so um, it will be a good game. It, it always has been, as far as I remember and been involved in. So um, two teams who you know we've just got a new manager in, so everybody's really keen and eager to impress. So hopefully it will be um, a tough game, but a, a good one and hopefully one that Reading get three points from. You'll hate me for saying that, but I'm sorry. Oh, we hate you already. No, 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 we don't, we don't, we don't. We, like I say, we don't mind an honest interview. Flo? Okay, I was just going to, you kind of touched on it there, but obviously Reading have got uh, got a new manager, um, Mark Bowen, who was the director of football, has been appointed yeah. manager there. And you know what it's like to to keep playing under various different managers so what's the kind of atmosphere and, and the vibe like at Reading at the moment given you know you're obviously used to how the impact that that can have on players um, well of, often it has a good impact um, you know soon straight soon after so hopefully that and that was proven by the, by the game on the weekend um, again the, the guys he's got working with him and he's obviously had the experience of being around the squad so people and and the players are very aware of you know his thoughts and how he wants to do things so um, I think it will have a good impact and hopefully we'll push Reading in a a good place going forward certainly. Do you have do you have your eye on on that job in the future? Um, I'd like to certainly manage um, higher up 
obviously, I'm, like I said, I'm currently doing the under-18s, but I've got aspirations of managing in a first-team environment. I guess me having a strong affiliation with the club looks like a um, sort of a natural progression, if you like. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Watch the space. Hi, Miguel. It's uh, Adam. Um, if Hi, I've Adam. done my maths right, uh, you played under nine different managers at QPR, six of them permanent. Um, you were bought in by John Gregory, and I think under three of them, you played some pretty decent football, I, I seem to remember, under Di Canio, Dowie, and uh, Magilton. Um, yeah. You also played under Paul Hart. Um, yeah. <laughs> how difficult was it, you know, working with nine different managers who all have different styles and approaches, how difficult is it to be, to keep your performances to at a consistent level? Um, yeah, it's a good, really good question. And I think that's probably where we struggled because um, I think for most of those managers, I was involved in the majority of their, you know, their teams that they picked. Um, but I guess when you have new managers, new ideas. Obviously, the team the team's going to change um, every so often. And what I found is it's certainly been at Reading. It's all about the consistency, the consistency of the team being selected, the manager's tactics being consistent. Um, and then you can really kind of find your feet. The difficulty so much so often was Majilton had a style of playing, Dowie had a style of playing, there's nothing wrong with those styles, but they probably just didn't have enough to have enough time to really keep that going and really, you know, nail down what they wanted to, to go and achieve. So, um, and that was a shame because they were good managers, good coaches. You, you missed out Paolo Sosa, who was another good one, um, who I enjoyed, enjoyed working under. So, um, well, who, who was yeah. the best player that you played with in your time at QPR? Oh, Adele. I mean, he was unbelievable. He, he could. You had to kind of know how to work with him. Obviously, he's not going to give you the, you know, the the running back and the defensive side of it. But if you can really put that trust and go, here you go, Adele, have the ball, go and do your stuff. Um, then you can kind of stomach him a little bit more and appreciate what he does give. But. You know, Ali Forlan was another one, unbelievable player. Just unfortunate that he had a couple of yeah. really bad injuries. Um, probably earlier on before that, Akos Bazaki came in and really hit the ground running. Um, good choices. These these are all yeah. good choices. Yeah, all, all really good football players. And what yeah. was the highlight for you of your time at QPR? Um, what was the highlight? Probably. Getting a couple of goals, I think, but against Stoke, I think they were they went up that year, didn't they? They were top of the league. Um, I remember, yeah, I think it was a Sky game actually. I managed to get a couple of goals, and I think we won three 0 in the end. Hmm. Um, yeah, that, that was probably one of my highlights. Making my debut was another good one. Um, you know, it, it was tough coming in at that time. Um, Obviously, the, the squad was quite inexperienced, if you like, and it was difficult time when, obviously, Ray Jones was passing. So it was a bit of a, a, a strange mood at, in the club, if you like. But, um, you know, it was it was just nice, to, obviously, to come back down south and, you know, put on the, the shirt of the hoops and um, 
you know, you could see things starting to then pick up after that, which they didn't pick up in the right way, but the, the intentions were right. You certainly, it sounds like you packed enough in to fill a book with the, all those goings on at KPR <laughs> whilst you were here. Um, I could, I could. Uh, Mikhail, thank you for joining us. We hope you get My stuff pleasure. tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, go on, give us a prediction. Give us a prediction so we can uh, uh, hopefully prove you wrong. Um, I'm going to go... 6-0 uh, Rangers? 3-2 Royals. Nah. And the hoops definitely look better in a QPR kit than a Reading kit. So uh, <laughs> laugh if you agree. That age-old right. debate, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, thanks a lot. Good to no, hear from pleasure. you. And Thank you. Take care and best of luck with all the coaching. Thanks very much. Cheers, thanks. Cheers. Thanks, Mikael. Well, it's a badly researched interview by me, wasn't it? Because I didn't realise he was quite so involved with Reading. Uh, <laughs> but there you go. At least we got a sort of an honest take. At least we didn't get him sort of trying to sort of like pretend he was something he wasn't. He he, he obviously is Reading. And I work with a Reading fan, season ticket holder. And when I said we got Mikel, well, I said Mikelly Ledgerwood. But when I said we got Mikel Ledgerwood on, he said, what? Mikel Legendwood? He is apparently much loved there. Um well, it was educational because we finally learned how to pronounce his name. We finally learned how to pronounce his name, exactly. Have you seen, by the way, what's going on at Reading at the moment, which we couldn't really get into with him because he would only it's have told the party line. Well, it's... it's um, for, I don't know if, if this is a politically incorrect phrase or not, but it's it's the Tafia that took over at Rangers. It's all those Welsh coaches, apart from Mark Hughes. It's Mark Bowen. It's Eddie Ned, can't pronounce. But, but it's, it's ridiculous because... It's basically like he Les Ferdinand, himself. yeah, appointing himself. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's literally <laughs> the most bizarre, weird thing. And all, a lot of the Reading fans I know are like, well, this is the beginning of the end. This is serious. He was director of football, Mark Bowen, mm. who, if anyone's got a long memory, will remember when he was uh, assistant manager here, he gave us an interview on the podcast, which we tweeted last week, which was crazy interview <laughs> in that really bad period where nothing was going right. And he was director of football. They sat their manager last week. And you know what? He decided that he'd be the best person for the job. Um, you will be unsurprised to know that there's a particular football agent swarming around Reading and signing all the players. Uh, yep. Kia Giobacan. Yep. He is the guy there who is apparently, yeah, he's making all the signings and very heavily involved. Perhaps unsurprisingly. So. Well, the, the rumour was it was going to be Mark Hughes. Yeah. Um, so that would have made uh, tomorrow night interesting. Yeah. I think we know, I've seen this one before, this Reading episode, this Reading show and where it all ends. Good luck to them. Anyway, good luck. Um, what did I want to talk about? There's one other thing I wanted to ask you about before we sort of got Oh, should to... I to update you on Liam oh, Kelly's height? Oh, yes, the height. The height of so, Liam Kelly. Liam Kelly is 1.89 metres. And Paddy Kenny is 1.85 metres. So there's a four metre difference. Four centimetre. Four centimetre, sorry, not four metres. Four centimetre, which is, yeah, one an inch, inch and a bit. It's not very much, really, yeah. is it? And Paddy, Paddy Kenny was a good goalie for us. We should play a whole thing about who do you think's taller between different players. <laughs> yeah. I just can't think of any at the moment. Who do you think's taller? Mikelly Ledgetwood. Nah, Mikel Ledgetwood. <laughs> Mikel Ledgetwood or Dominic Ball? Ledgerwood, I'd say. I mean, Ledgerwood mm. was what six three. Ball's quite lanky, though. I think I I I oh I think Ledgerwood. Mm. I think Ledgerwood. 
go do your thing and I'll well, who's sort of okay um well the only thing is you get distracted with your googling but we'll proceed anyway um there's no way Reading... We could do the predictions after. There's no way Reading are winning tomorrow. Do me a favour. I'm like Finney on this one. We are smashing them to pieces. Well, I, I think one thing's for sure. It's gonna, they'll set out for a war of attrition. That's what they'll do. They did it on, on Saturday and ended up scoring in the last minute. Um, it was apparently very dull up until that point. Yeah. So I think they w- it will be... Uh, if they have their way, it will be a very dull game. I think the onus is on us to score early and then stretch the game, and then hopefully we can put three or four past mm. them. Have you done? You've looked like you've done your googling already. It's Ledgerwood. <laughs> there we go. Six foot two, and ball is six foot. Oh, there you go. That's yeah. that's even more centimeters. Yeah. That's six centimeters, I yeah. believe. Um, they've also Reading have got that Romanian guy they paid a fortune for who kind of took the league by storm in those first couple of weekends and everyone's obsessed with him and now he's just sort of gone off a cliff a little bit. Mm. I think he was injured, he was out for a bit and now he's coming back. But he's a threat. But apart from that, yeah, I don't think, you know, they play. i just ask you one more random one. Who's taller, Naki Wells or Ryan Manning? Oh, Wells. This is an obvious one. Wells, Do you think yeah. Wells is tall? Oh, I don't know. I, don't think, I think so. that's quite tight. What? That is very tight. Look up that one. I, I think they'll be I'm about going, the same height. I'm going Manning. You're going... I'm saying same height. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> Whilst Flo does this, let me uh, look up. Did you read Mark Warburton's interview with The Athletic last week? Did you see anything on it? Very, very interesting interview. I'm not... Obviously, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But if you have a subscription to The Athletic or uh, read it, uh, and if you don't have one, maybe do that. I think they do like a free trial or something. Really, really interesting. Uh, possession is an irrelevant stat, he said. Uh, he talked about his philosophy. Everybody, we're dominating possession. He says it's irrelevant. The biggest stat for me is chances created and the quality of those chances. Um, the really, really interesting thing for me, he said, was I do, don't like my teams keeping the ball in the corner. You know that thing when you are 1-0 down, 1-0 up, five minutes to go, which you may have noticed, he doesn't allow it. He tells them to keep playing and keep creating more chances because he's from this kind of old um this kind of new school i should say under the previous brentford owner i think benham it was where it it was like statistically proven that it's not a good idea to keep the ball in the corner actually keep creating chances because you stand more chance of scoring i think and so really interesting way of looking at it it's all about chances and quality of chances created which i think you can see from how they're playing and he definitely went down the same school of thought and the same sort of rhetoric when he was at glasgow rangers obviously didn't really end so well towards the end but it was all that chances created positivity it doesn't matter you know what else happens it's all about the number of chances and shots we create and from dangerous positions blah 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 and so it's working now, so why change it? I mean, I do, I love his philosophy. I guess it must be a case of the right man at the right club because it does beg the question, why didn't it work at Forest, for example? Was the club too big? Was he not allowed to make the changes he has been allowed to make at QPR? But I think his philosophy is great. The front four are really exciting. If Chair can add to his game with goals, I think he's another one that could be sold for for a whopping amount. Um, and then, really, we've, we're starting to look like we've got goals all over the pitch. And I think the the only thing would be 
does he will he be able to retain the attacking players that this philosophy requires because if we don't have a great defense fine we can back up with loads of goals but if we lose wells if we can't afford to sign wells if eze goes if chair goes it starts to unravel a little bit and then it could turn sour but i'm thinking you know this is like a in a whole another season's time so let's not even worry about that right now Fine. <laughs> Fine. Let's not worry about it. Who's taller, Ryan Manning or Naki Wells? Ryan Manning is five foot eleven. Naki Wells is five foot seven, which is Whoa. much shorter than I thought he was. But so I was right, yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. Wow. Okay, R's end. Anything, everything you haven't said. I I I I've got two points. This is very finny like. My first one is my son wants Naki Wells on the back of his QPR shirt. But that's a dangerous game to play, isn't it? Because he's on loan. Because he's on loan. I have him on or don't have him on? On. Really? On, 100% sure. on but you... then the shirt will be no good in like eight no, months. No, it won't be on. no good. I still people see see people with, with three a loan on. Player. See Do you put mm, a loan player, player on a shirt? I'm trying to think. When Wells scores the winning goal at Wembley, you'll be pleased you did it. Oh yes, get in. I'll have some of that. Uh, the other thing was, are we about to experience this curse of Sky? Because I think we're the featured game tomorrow night. We're not just on the single camera horrible red button. I think we're the featured game. Yeah, but the thing is, the curse of Sky, although, yeah, we're still crap on telly, because of the single camera thing, there's almost no such thing as a curse on a weekday game because it's technically one. I like that game. theory. So you can no longer be cursed on Tuesday, Wednesday fixtures. <laughs> Saturdays and Mondays are still 100% cursed. I will take that. So next Monday against Brentford. Okay. Any R's ends? This is going to sound like Finney, but um, if you are one of those people that has fallen away from coming to Loftus Road in recent seasons, you need to come down and have a look at this team and have a look at players like Eze and Chair because they probably won't be hanging around for very long. And we've already talked tonight about the glory of a Delta Rat and how special it was. So, you know, if you want to be able to say the same thing about Eze in a few seasons and say, you know, I was there when, you know, such and such happened or whatever, then come down and, and watch this boy play because it is rare that you see special players like this, ones that have also come up through... Um, the development of the club, so it is really, really rare. So come and come and be part of it. Here, 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 Adam. I, I've got, I've got two as well. If if, if you're doing two, um, go for it. The first one, two quick ones. First one is, I'd like to see the media give QPR just a little bit more attention. Give us, give us a bit more love because I think we deserve it. We've had an absolute walloping over the last few years um and and quite justifiably so um or they've been very quiet about us i think now we're getting those sort of side columns in the in in the papers we're not really being talked about which i think is very unfair given i think we're playing probably the best football in the league so i'd like to see the media give us a bit more love and last point uh if i may i'd like to congratulate the ipswich town fans I don't know if you mm, saw, but I did um, see this. Yes, they bought a banner down to Accrington Stanley. Who um, are they? <laughs> yeah, sorry, carry on. Uh, 80s and, reference. Uh, yeah. Very good. And uh, it basically said, "Billy Key, uh, you are not alone." Uh, and it was Ipswich's way of supporting mental health in football, which I thought was a very commendable thing to do um and i think we should see a lot more of that so this is billy key the accreton player who's been suffering from uh mental health correct issues, yeah it? yeah it's great gesture um 
we're finishing up. Give us your prediction. So we will have two games before the next podcast. So give us a double. Reading and Brentford. Adam. Well, I'm going to say we will score early at home to Reading and therefore I think it will stretch the game. So I think we could smash them. So I'm going to go for 4-0. A clean sheet? I'm going to go for a clean sheet. What? Yeah, at home to Reading. Um, However, I am a bit nervous about the Brentford game and I don't want to be the bloke who comes on here and says we're going to get defeated. So I will go for a one-all draw. Flow? Tomorrow night, 3-1 win. Easy. Monday, I'm also quite worried about that, given our recent history. Uh, And they also managed to get one back from the brink on Saturday. And they're sort of finding a bit of a rhythm, although, yeah, they're out out of form. But I think... I don't want to say we're going to lose, but I don't think we're going to win. Two all. I feel very unimaginative for saying I absolutely agree with your entire prediction, Adam. I think we're going to smash them tomorrow. I think we'll keep a clean sheet. I'm going to say 4-0-1-1. I think we might drop points next Monday. 4-0-1-1. And before we go, whilst you were doing your R's end, I I googled and I've got another who's taller question (laughs) to finish off. Who is taller? Jordan Hugill or Angel Rangel? Hugill, he's huge. For sure. No. Was it that obvious? Yeah. yeah. He's only three centimetres taller. But it is Hugill. Uh, it's not as big as I thought. It's I thought Hugill. he'd be a lot bigger. Um, thank you very much for listening. This has been the QPR podcast. Um, we will see you after the Brentford game. Well, we won't see you. You can hear us after the Brentford game uh, Tuesday. Uh, this has been Open All Ours. Come on, you ours. You ours. QPR, QPR, Richmond Rangers.